Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit for them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can we give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> what does it mean to lose your life for the sake of Christ. The Reverend Dr. Polly Murray was the first of many things, the first African-American woman to be ordained a priest in the U.S. Episcopal Church, and she was one who moved civil rights legislative mountains behind the scenes. But more about Polly later. Could losing one's life for the sake of Christ be reframed to say, what could you add to your life for the sake of Christ? What would enhance or magnify your walk with the Lord? We often think of praying more, praying longer, or adding another Bible study, and all of that is good. But when you take a close look at the life of Christ, what do you see? In our gospel reading alone, we see in Christ a man who is passionate for a relationship with his father. As he shares about his future and what's, when what's going to happen as far as him suffering, he did not want the seemingly caring words of Peter to deter him from his mission. You see, our reading says that Peter rebuked Jesus, but I don't see this as Peter being angry at him. Peter could not bear to hear his teacher and friend talk about how he was going to suffer and die. And even though just a few verses earlier in this chapter when Jesus asks, but who do you say I am? It is Peter who answers, you are the Messiah. Yet Peter wants Jesus to stop saying that he's going to be killed and raised up because those words were difficult to hear. And this scripture is difficult to hear. Jesus telling his disciples how he was going to suffer and die and Peter trying to get Jesus to stop being so negative and Jesus calling Peter Satan. I mean, what's up with that? You see, back in the first chapter of Mark, Jesus was compelled by the Holy Spirit to go into the desert. And there we are told he had more than one face-to-face -face encounter with Satan. And Jesus had to repeatedly say no to Satan, who was trying to get him to turn his back on God 
and worship him. And now, once again, someone, namely Peter, is trying to get Jesus to derail the plan that is laid out for his life. And Jesus sees this as one more attempt of the enemy to pull him away from God's plan for his life, and even as hard as that plan may be. So as you view Jesus' single-focused vision to move forward with his Father's plan, what are the things you can add to your life to move yourself forward in your walk with the Lord? Or better yet, what would encourage you to dance even more in rhythm with the Spirit? Earlier in this same chapter, Jesus was moved with compassion because the people who were following him needed food, so he fed them. And another time, Jesus takes a blind man away from the crowd and restores his sight. Isn't it interesting that he did not perform this amazing restoration in front of the crowds who had been following him, especially since a group of Pharisees had demanded that Jesus perform a miracle for them. But no, talk about a missed opportunity. Jesus takes this man outside the city, puts saliva on his eyes and lays hands on him and prays. And at first the man said, I see people, but they look like trees. So Jesus again laid, uh, laid hands on the man's eyes and then the man saw things clearly. So perhaps it's time to get away from the crowds. Perhaps it is time to add your service for Christ by doing something in secret. So again, what does it mean to lose your life for Christ? What would it look like if you added something to your activity, to your life, for the sake of Christ? Not for the sake of doing something so others would know about it and not for the sake of seeing your name and lights, but what would it mean to add something to your life solely for Christ's sake and not, and not so anyone else would know about it? Earlier, I mentioned Polly Murray because Polly was one who accomplished so much for the greater good behind the scenes. In 1940, Polly Murray was working to end segregation on public transport in Virginia. And she was arrested for refusing to move to the back of the bus in 1941, 14 years before Rosa Parks refused to move to the back of the bus. And despite graduating from the top of her class at Howard University School of Law, she was denied admission into Harvard Law School for postgraduate studies because she was a woman. And Polly lost a U.S. State Department post at Cornell University because the people who had supplied her references were considered too radical. And by the way, her references included Eleanor Roosevelt, Thurgood Marshall, and A. Philip Randolph. A radical bunch indeed. In 1950, Polly published State's Laws on Race and Color, later known as the Bible of the Civil Rights Movement. So her approach was the foundation of the NAACP arguments in Brown versus Board of Education, leading to the US Supreme Court ruling that segregated public schools were unconstitutional. You see, 
When one does something regardless of notoriety or spotlight status, the outcome often has impacts that could reverberate for generations to come. Mark 8:23 says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. So just as Jesus quietly took the blind man outside of the city, away from the crowds, just as Polly Murray inadvertently impacted civil rights laws in this country that impact all of us to this very day, we can act, if we so choose, for the cause of Christ, sometimes under the spotlight, but often in the shadows. I ask again, and I might be sounding redundant, but what does it mean to lose your life for the sake of Christ? Perhaps losing your life means adding something quietly that could change your part of the world for those around you. Or perhaps losing your life means coming alongside somebody who otherwise would not be lifted out of a situation without your support. A lot of that is already happening around this church. But what does this mean for you? Place yourself in that crowd near Jesus. Use your imagination. Jesus reaches over, takes you by the hand, and leads you away from the spotlight of the crowd. What would it look like if you chose that moment to act for the cause of Christ?